Welcome to Long Hill Chapel Online. Thanks for checking out our podcast where you can listen to our latest sermons filled with teaching, encouragement, and hope from God's Word. So whether you're in the car, on the couch, or just poured some coffee, let's dive into today's message. Well, we are so glad you're with us today. Once again, my name is Michael. I'm the lead pastor here at Long Hill Chapel. And today we're kicking off for a couple weeks what we're calling Neighborhoods and Nations, LHC on Mission. And it's really a two-week visit through, a tour through how we as a church and how we as a movement are involved in the worldwide mission of spreading the gospel of Jesus, uh, both here locally and literally to the very ends of the earth. And today I'm excited to have with me Reverend Omar Niebles, who is the Director of Missions and Justice Engagement for the Metropolitan District of the Christian Missionary Alliance. And boy, that was a mouthful of a title. Totally. Well, good morning. It is good to be here, Long Hill Chapel. And thank you, Pastor Mike, for having me. Well, I'm really uh, glad you were able to join us. And you always class the place up. That's what I want to say. Where, where, whenever I see you, I'm like, man, that guy really makes everything around him look better. So uh, thanks <laughs> for being here and classing us up a little bit. Um, we're just really glad that you're here. And so you work in the Metropolitan District uh, with a very very fancy title, the Director of Missions and Justice Engagement. But before we get into what that means and kind of how that affects us, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and kind of your story and, and really what's led you to this point? Yeah, so thank you again. Thanks for having me and a pleasure to be with you this morning. So uh, I, I grew up in a Southern Baptist church, a Spanish Southern Baptist church. Uh, I grew up there my whole life, and uh, I, I do appreciate, you know, how I grew up uh, one of the things, though, that I can remember as it deals with the Christian and Missionary Alliance is that in, in our church, we would talk about, you know, the end of times when Jesus is coming back. And really, if you grew up in church, you may, this may resonate with you that, hey, Jesus is coming back one day. We don't know when, um, but he's going to come back. So, I, okay, that's, that's really cool. So the conversation would be like around the rapture. So is it going to be you know, before the seven years, in the middle of the seven years, and after the seven years. If you have no idea what we're talking about, just ask Pastor Michael. Yeah, I, w- I wish we'd all been ready. Yeah. <laughs> so that would be the topic of conversation. And so I'd ask, I'd ask numerous people like, hey, so what's keeping him from coming back? What's keeping Jesus from returning? And, you know, they would say, well, you know, he just wants everybody in the world to be saved. And whenever he feels like that number is there, then he'll come back. And I was like, that's so that so he can come. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, so what do we do till then? Well, you know, you live a good life and you tell people about Jesus when you can and you kind of keep on going. But it wasn't until I became a part of the Christian and Missionary Alliance that in that conversation, it was all about, hey, we have a role to play in seeing the return of Christ happen, potentially even in our lifetime, you know, and that was just for me something I could totally get behind. And so I grew up in the church uh, missions has always been a passion of mine, you know, but I had no idea it would become a passion of mine in the way that it did until I became part of the CNMA. So, That's awesome. Thanks for sharing. And uh, yeah, I think that's really one of the things we're trying to explore in these next couple weeks is not just missions being something that's out there, you know, not just a list of faces and names that we support financially, which here at Long Hill Chapel we do, and it's one of the great legacies of this church, but what that means for our lives. There's a phrase you keep saying, Christian and Missionary Alliance, and some of you know what that means. I watch a lot of Star Wars, like all the like, like Star Wars Rebels and the Mandalorian and all that, and so when I hear, if I didn't know what it was, when I hear 
the phrase Christian and Missionary Alliance, it sounds like some splinter faction from a Star Wars series. So can you tell us a little bit about what is the Christian Missionary Alliance? That, by the way, is the denomination that Long Hill Chapel is part of. But, but what is it? How did it come to be? Why does it matter? And why should we care? Yeah, so our leader, he's not named Yoda. That's, so that's one, right? Like, that's not part of the whole thing. Um, but the Christian and Missionary Alliance is our denomination. It began over 125 years ago. And our founder, uh, his name is A.B. Simpson, Albert Benjamin Simpson. Now, A.B. Simpson started off as a Presbyterian minister. He came from Canada. Uh, he took a post in uh, Louisville, Kentucky, pastored a Presbyterian church there. Eventually, after a few years, felt a call of God to come east to New York City. Now, in the midst of that, he had a heart to bring the gospel to the ends of the earth, right? Like it tells us in Acts, you know, 1-8, like Pastor Daria just shared for us, right? And um, in that, he wanted to bring specifically the gospel to China. But his wife was like, look, you brought me this far to the East Coast. I get on no boat and we're crossing no ocean going anywhere, right? So it just was not happening. Big no. Hard yeah, no. yeah, big, big no. So what ended up happening was A.B. said, fine, if I can't go to China, then I'm going to bring the gospel to people right around me here in New York City that are far from Jesus Christ. And at that time, it was Italian immigrants that were coming over, working at the docks, um, and get, like, he preaches the gospel to them, and the gospel catches like wildfire. So much so that there are over 100 Italian immigrants that show up to his church. A.B. shows up with these folks. They are ready to not just say, or they've already said yes to Jesus. They're not saying, hey, we're saying yes to your church. We want to become members. Now, at the time, this Presbyterian church, high-profile church, his salary was, you know, six figures in today's numbers. And his congregation said, no. You know, these are not our people. They don't speak our language. They're not at our status. They don't know our ways. They don't know our customs and our traditions. They are not welcome here. A.B. Simpson, soon after that, resigns, uh, puts an article in the paper saying, if you want, my, my paraphrase, if you want to bring the gospel to every nook and cranny in the world, meet me at said location. Seven other people show up along with, you know, he and his wife, Maggie, and the Christian and Missionary Alliance launches to that day, 6.5 billion People kind of worshiping under, you know, uh, what's known as a Christian Missionary Alliance world worldwide. We have 2,000 churches here, you know, in the U.S., over 700 international workers serving across the world. So, you know, like, that. Th this is where that group of nine over 125 years ago, where we are today based on that. So That's amazing. And it's also a reminder to us that God always starts with really small beginnings. You know, he starts with faithful people who say yes. Amen. And that could be us. That could be us here at Long Hill Chapel. If we, what I always know about God is that he'll always call us into a place that we didn't expect. Uh, we always, you know, we, we think our lives are going to go a certain way, but he always, there's always a disruption that happens when the call of God comes. And uh, that's something I don't want us to miss here. I don't want you to miss as you're watching or listening to this is that when God speaks, it's not going to be in the comfortable place. It's not going to be in the easy thing. It's, it's going to be uh, in a thing that will cause your faith to be stretched, but it's also potentially the beginning of something as significant as what you've just shared. And so Amen. say yes. Amen. I want us to be a church that says yes. I want us to be a people that, that always says yes to Jesus. So you were talking a little bit before about the return of Jesus and that really uh, one of the reasons we engage and go on mission is to hasten the return of Jesus, that Jesus would come back. What is the role that we play in that? 
Yeah, so I, I think I think there's two things that are pretty crucial and important, especially with the alliance. So one is Jesus's promise to us. So that's Matthew chapter 24, verse 14. This gospel will go, you know, to all, all parts of the world, and then the end will come. But that's, that's his promise, right? Our, our role is not just to sprinkle the gospel far and wide, wherever it goes and catches, and it's kind of, you know, up to however that works out. Our role is actually Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 to 20, right? Jesus has been given all authority, and so he calls us to go and make disciples of all nations. So that's our job, right? That, that word for nations in the Greek is ethne. And ethne, rather than being like a nation with political boundaries, it's, it's peoples. It's people groups, right? And so in our part, when, when the Alliance talks the Great Commission, right, specifically Matthew chapter 28, Acts 1-8, right, what we're looking at, and you can show, see on this first slide here, this is kind of how we see the world when it relates to missions, right? So you'll see parts of the green. So basically all of America, Sub-Saharan Africa, Australia. These are places that have high access to the good news of Jesus Christ. What does that mean? It means that the Bible is in a language that is relatable to the people that are there in that part of the world. Um, there's not just large populations of followers of Jesus, but these are are multiplying, they're replicating themselves. You know, there's training, there's equipping, there's all of those things. So that's the green. The yellow on this slide represents low access. So while the Bible may be in that language, while um, there may be, you know, a large number of followers of Jesus, the momentum, the multiplication may not be happening necessarily at the rate that it is in all these areas of green. But the red is very... uh, Uh, where the Alliance focuses a lot of their attention, because in the red is places that have no access or zero access to the gospel, right? And so you could come into a village and ask somebody, hey, have you heard of Jesus? Oh, no, Jesus doesn't live in this village. Maybe try the village next door. Like, they have no idea, you know, who Jesus is, have never heard about him. And, you know, here's a stat that is kind of thrown around in a lot of mission circles. 86% of those who are born Muslim uh, Hindu or Buddhist do not even know another follower of Jesus Christ. So it's 86%. So what does that look like? So we look at Japan, right, which is an open, kind of an open field. They don't persecute uh, missionaries per se, right? Japan, 91 million followers of Shintoism, 87 million Buddhists. For those of you online watching, like you're really good at numbers, 87 million Buddhists, 86% of that 87 million doesn't even know another follower of Jesus. And so if they don't know another follower of Jesus, how will they ever hear the good news of Jesus Christ? And if they're not going to hear it, how will they ever respond to the good news of Jesus Christ, right, in this kind of capacity? So when we're saying, hey, how are we doing at the Great Commission? What does it look like? What are we focused on? We're really wanting to put a lot of our attention in the, these areas of red where there's a lack of access to the good news of Jesus Christ. So, And we have a role to play, you know, in that. So we want to see that, that return of Jesus Christ happen, and, and it's on us to not just sprinkle the gospel where, where it may fall, but we want to be intentional about being gospel witnesses and about making disciples of Jesus Christ specifically in these areas of red. So what can you tell us when it comes to what the Christian Missionary Alliance is doing in those red places, in those places where there's zero access to the gospel? Is the Alliance involved there in any way? Yeah, so there's a lot of stories I can tell. And obviously, by way of social media, I'm going to have to kind of uh, uh, be a little bit ambiguous about some of this. But we, we have a team. We have a couple in, in, in particular. They're serving in, in North Central Asia. And um, they're working with these 4,000 people groups. And actually, it, maybe you can throw up that slide real quick. So 
Um, what this looks like then, that, that previous map, is that today there's more than 4,000 people groups in the world that lack proper access to the gospel. We're talking about 3.4 billion people that have not yet have had access to the good news of Jesus Christ. And so of these 4,000 people groups, of the 3.4 billion that are represented here, are, there's an alliance couple that was working with two of, these, uh, of those 4,000 people groups, right? Historically, never had a follower of Jesus Christ. So think for a moment in your life, right, Pastor Michael, like who brought the gospel to you? How did it get to you, right? And let's just say for a moment that, not that that person didn't exist, because if it was mom, that kind of throws you off, right? But let's say if, if it was mom, let's just remove the fact that she was a follower of Jesus. So if the gospel didn't come through your mom, who would it have come with? Well, maybe you start thinking of maybe our cousin, you know, a, 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 like a high school student you knew that brought you to youth group or something like that. But somehow the gospel has a lot of avenues to get to you, where historically we're talking about people that, like, they can't relate back to mom, grandma, you know, great-great-grandma. Like, in their story, in their line, family line, tribe line, no one has ever been a follower of Jesus. None of their neighbors, none of their cousins, right? And so how does the gospel get to these people? Well, we have our workers there, and in the last two years, uh, for one of these people groups, the first two came to be followers of Jesus Christ, December 2019, right before, like, COVID breakout, right? But they've multiplied so much so that there's now 25 people, many who have been baptized, who have said yes to Jesus Christ. Again, historically, never had followers of Jesus. And yet, here are the first 25 that I said, in our tribe, in our people, we're the first 25, right? And their prayer is that in the midst of persecution and abandonment, uh, being wrongfully imprisoned, injustice, that they would still have the courage and the boldness to preach the good news of Jesus Christ to their tribe, to the neighboring tribes, to the people in the countries all around them represented. The other people group, uh, the first one, but only one so far, has come to know Jesus Christ in the last year and a half or so. And they continue to work with this young man, this young guy, um, encouraging him, um, helping him engage his neighbors. What does it look like to engage his family and his cousins and things like that with the good news of Jesus Christ? So that's one of the things that are happening. So this is like, we're talking about like Acts, right? Like in the book of Acts, that stuff's still happening today amongst, you know, people groups. The other thing that's happening is that in the same country, another team is working on a um, swim project. Now in this country specifically where they're serving, uh, drowning is the number two cause of accidental death amongst children. Drowning, number two, right? Like in America, it, it's, we can't even fathom that, right? But it's number two in this country. Well, in, during COVID, right, during the year 2020, 211 children took swim lessons, 85, and their families as well. So it's 211 kids, and their families also received, like, proper water safety training, 85% of them passed their swim uh, lessons, which, by the way, are Red Cross certified. So now we're talking about, like, Red Cross certification, like, legit. Not like, hey, we're in a little kid's <laughs> pool, and you know how to tread water in, like, a foot and a half of water, right? Like, we're talking about kids who, on the one hand, are receiving physical life, right? There was this one tribe. This is one tribe that they know of. Every single family of that tribe lost a child due to drowning. One family lost two ch children in one day to drowning, <sighs> right? So, like, we can't, I know, we can't even yeah. fathom this stuff, right? But our workers are on the ground allowing for the opportunity for kids to have physical life so that they can also have the opportunity to receive spiritual life, right, in Jesus Christ. 
So that's just some of the things. Those are just two of the stories. There's a lot more stories I can share, but, you know, time is a factor. So. <laughs> no, that's awesome, and thanks for sharing. And I think we see in that, especially in that last story, we see a picture of really what the gospel is. Is The gospel is unambiguously the message of the good news of Jesus. It's not just good works, but there's good works that accompany the declaration of the gospel. Wherever Jesus went, he declared the truth of who he was in the kingdom of God, but then he represented that in tangible and real ways. And so missions at its best is when we have both of those parts working together. So for us, how do we as a local church, we're here in Chatham, um, Chatham has its challenges, it certainly has its blessings, but how, when we hear stories like this that are amazing stories, but in some ways, and probably to our detriment, are almost abstract to us, how do we get involved in what God is doing around the world, and what role does a local church like Long Hill have to play? Yeah, yeah. So I, I would say there's, there's probably two clear ways that we can talk about this morning. There's more, but let's focus on two. And the first one, this has like two parts. So like, you know, 1A and then 1B, <laughs> right? So 1A is our district. Our heartbeat is to say, hey, in the next seven to 10 years, we want to send 100 new international workers overseas to these parts of the world, right? And maybe you're online, and I said that, and there's something in your soul that just jumped up that said, maybe I'm one of those 100 people that, that our metro district wants to send overseas long term to bring the gospel to one of these types of people groups around the world, right? So, so that could be one of those, right? You or maybe even your child could be one of those or two of those 100 that we send in the next seven to 10 years, right? Um, maybe, though, that's not you. Maybe you say, like, oh, that's amazing, but I don't, I don't think there's nothing maybe in my soul that jumps or leaps at that opportunity. But the beautiful thing is, and this is where 1B kind of comes in, is that goers do need uh, senders, right? And so, you know, for, for us, like for, uh, for the Alliance to send a single person overseas, uh, it costs about $55,000, give or take, depending on what part of the world, but on average $55,000 a year to send and keep an international worker overseas. And maybe you're like, hey, you know, t hey, maybe I can do that, you know, I can support one, or maybe a, a few of you together say like, hey, we can totally do this, you know, to send a family of four, you know, you're on average, you're looking at $120,000 or so to send the family of four overseas. So that could be one. And, and can I, maybe a quick time out here too as well, in the midst of that, maybe you're someone online and by and large, like, the missions conversation has one where, like, uh, Anglos have been, like, a predominant part, you know, in, in the story of bringing the gospel, right, around the world. But, like, you're someone that, like, you're not an Anglo, right? You represent a minority ethnicity. Like, our heart is to see more and more minorities, more ethnic minorities on the mission field, right? Like, I think where I where my family comes from, like it's really easy for me to think about the ones always being ministered to, and so that's what I mean by like it's kind of been like an America West sort of thing, but we're at a day and age where like my, ethnic minorities have an important role to play in bringing the good news of Jesus Christ, but some of, some of us just haven't never had the opportunity. We've never heard, hey, you're wanted, you're needed, you're necessary on the mission field, and so I want to take a time out and say like if that's you watching online then I want you to reach out, you know. I would love to connect with you as well, anybody online, really. But in, in particular, any ethnic minorities listening saying, hey, there's an opportunity for you to hear to bring the good news of Jesus Christ. So that's, that, that would be one, right? The second one uh, to this, I would say, is develop a partnership. 
develop a vibrant partnership, right? You have already talked about Rick and Tammy Romano, right, in the DR. There's other workers that are going to be coming through, you know, here as well. And so I, there's five real ways, and maybe we can develop these a little bit later on, but there's five real ways that people can uh, partner with a specific field. And uh, right here on the slide, you'll see that. Um, so number one, partner care, strategic prayers, number two, number three, going there, number four, staying aware, number five, doing our share. So there's some ways that you can partner together. So And you made those rhyme, which is amazing. Yes, that, well, you can thank but, the national office yeah, for that that's one. That's great. <laughs> but that is, that is our heart here at Long Hill Chapel. And uh, those of you who've heard me speak about this before is not that we just, you know, we, we should financially support missionaries. And Long Hill has a wonderful tradition of doing that. We need to keep doing that but really that our support of missions becomes much more personal than that. And really what that looks like is this. It is partnering together uh, with missionaries. So I guess my question for you, Omar, is, is what does, kind of talk, walk us through these a little bit in brief. What, what does that look like? Some of them I think make sense just by looking at them, but some of them uh, just give us a little bit of a snapshot of what that would look like. Yeah, so partner care, you know, uh, has a lot to do with just kind of choosing an IW, either a single or a couple over, you know, that's overseas. And you're saying, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to invest in this relationship, right? I'm going to, know where our international workers are in their cycle as international workers. Are they new to, to their field? Are they maybe somewhere like they've served three or four terms? Or are they on the brink of retirement? All of those three are totally different phases or thinking about different things. But anyway, you're, you're choosing a partner. You're saying, I'm investing in this relationship, and it should never be one way. And I think that's like a thing we miss. We think that it's just it's all about our international worker. Let's just love them. But the reality is it should be a two-way street. So some of what that could be, when we had our partnership uh, in Asia, um, our workers that we chose as partners knew more, knew just as much, if not more, than some of the members of our church community of the things that were happening. At that time, I was helping to get our second campus up and running. And one of, the, one of these partners uh, comes into town and starts engaging with people at the church, and he knew things about their lives and their stories and was asking, <laughs> oh, we were praying for your, you know, your aunt. How's she doing? And people were like, how do you know that? And, you know, well, Omar told us, and Omar said, hey, here's some things you can, you can pray about, wow. right? So that's, that's partner care. Uh, strategic prayer is just you know, it's being able to pray beyond, like, God, help those missionaries. I don't remember their names in that certain part of the world that I don't remember where it is and I can't say, right? But what are, what are spiritual boundaries that exist in this part of the world? What are the cultures and the customs and language? How do you familiarize yourself with the workers you've chosen and their work? How do you strategically pray for things that are present, needs that they have, breakthroughs that they want to see, you know, happen? And, and you play a tremendous role. Like you, Longhill, play a tremendous role in, in being able to be a part of that great commission, right? So that's strategic prayer. Going there, like self-explanatory, you know, you go into the DR in February, boots on the ground. I mean, it, it just shows so much, right, relationship-wise that you're present and you're there. Mm. Uh, staying aware. So this is not like, hey, we've chosen you, and when you're in town, we'll host you, but until four years from now, you know, we'll see you later sort Good of luck. deal. Yeah. Right, exactly. I mean, the, the, the social media, you know, the, uh, the, the Telegram, WhatsApp, you know, all of those ways that you can connect uh, are all available to, to us, to our workers, and we're able to freely have dialogues. Like, there are things like this team in, in, in Asia that I've been referencing, 
I'm getting real-time stuff all the time as far as what's happening. By the way, the New Testament is being printed in their language. Oh, like, wow. this just happened last week. But that's I can awesome. say that because yeah. I'm in a thread that's letting me know this, right? So staying aware. And then doing our share. I've talked about some of that financially. Hey, giving to the Great Commission Fund, supporting our workers, supporting people you want to send overseas. So, I mean, those are some, we can go deeper, but those are some of the quick ways that you can engage. Awesome. Yeah. And that's something as a church we're continuing to grow in, you know, not only in the number of partnerships that we have, and we have a few now that we're continuing to develop, but also the depth of those things, which is, is really these, these five areas and continuing to explore that. But maybe as you're watching and listening to this, there's one of these that just really kind of gets your heart. It's, it's, it resonates with how you're wired. And uh, we'd love to help you take some next steps with that in, uh, in being able to join uh, and be a true partner of, of some of the missionaries that we have on the field. So I guess here's my other question. And obviously, I'm biased and you're biased because we, you know, we both are part of the Christian Missionary Alliance. Um, but there's a lot of great organizations and great people who are doing great things throughout the world. Uh, why should any of us, why should someone partner with the Christian Missionary Alliance? And what's different about what the Alliance does than other organizations? Yeah. So I think at this point, it's probably clear, oh, the Christian Missionary Alliance is all about the Great Commission. Well, if the Christian Missionary Alliance is all about the Great Commission, surely all the other missions organizations around the world are about the Great Commission, right? Bringing the gospel to the ends of the earth. Jerusalem, all of Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Well, there was a study done in the year 2000. We have survived Y2K. We can still that. run statistics, <laughs> right? And um, there's, a, there's a, a, a research that's done. We find out that there's about 420,000 missionaries. This is not the alliance. This is all missionaries, right, around the world from all organizations, 420,000 of them. If I were to ask those of you online, I'll even give you a second to answer this. Throw it in your, the chat in the comment section. How many of those 420 missionaries around the world in the year 2000, would you say were engaged in the areas of red on the map? Those places that lack access to the gospel, right? So we won't even start there. We'll start with how many do you think are engaged in the areas of green, right? Surely not a lot. And I've thrown this out, 20, 20%, 50%, right? 73%, 73% of the 420,000, roughly 420,000 international workers around the world from all missions organizations, 73% were already were working in places in the green. I'm not, go ahead. Wow. Yeah. That was what I was going to say as well. Yeah. I'm not saying that those people are doing bad work. That's not my point at all. There's people who are doing tremendous work. But there's options. But there's options. Yeah. And as far as like, hey, how are we doing at the Great Commission? It's like, if you, so if you're seeing this thing and your kind of jaw has like come, come off the ground, right? You'll see here that 25% um, are serving in the areas of yellow, while only 2%, 2% of the 420,000 international workers around the world are serving in places of the red that lack access to the good news of Jesus Christ, right? Like mind-blowing. Like if we're like, oh, we need to go get the gospel out there, we're not sending people to those places by and large. That's, that's what these numbers show. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So how's the alliance doing as of the year 2012? Because when, when the in that same year, 2000, when the alliance saw its numbers, we realized that while we were doing a little bit better, we weren't really all that different than what everybody else was doing. And so we pivot in the year 2012. We moved to being 33, 34% uh, of our workers being in both areas of green and areas of yellow in that original map. 
where 67% of our international workers are in the places of red, that number has actually grown to now 80%. We have 80% of our 700 plus international workers serving in places that lack access to the good news of Jesus Christ. So these numbers are old um, from what I've, I was given. So, so that's people. Now let's talk money, right? Because like, okay, people, all right, but what about money? Money, right? That's where it changes, right? It's a few people, but they're getting a lot of money. So in that same year, $15 billion was given to missions in the year 2000. Y2K, this is not like 1845. This is the year 2000, $15 billion. And if you had to guess how many cents to the dollar would you say? And here it is, 86 cents to the dollar were going to places in the world that had high access to the gospel. Bible in their language, believers, churches, multiplication, 86 cents of our missionary dollars of this 18 billion going to those places. Uh, what do we have here? I don't have my glasses, so it's uh, 12, cents. 12 cents every dollar, right, to areas with low access and only two cents of every dollar going to places in the world that lack access to the good news of Jesus Christ. They just, I just heard that that number has actually gone up. So as of the year 2020, we're up to three cents of every dollar. Uh, like Mind-blowing, right? 20 years later, yes. we've gone up one cent, right? Three cents of every dollar going to these places that lack access to the good news of Jesus. How's the alliance doing as of the year uh, 2012? Uh, 33 cents to the dollar going to places in the green and the yellow, places of high and low access to the gospel. 67 cents of every dollar going to places of low access to the gospel. That number is actually up to about 75 cents to every dollar with the Christian Missionary Alliance. So we're saying, hey, we're serious about accomplishing, fulfilling the Great Commission, right? This is our heartbeat. This has been in our DNA since the very beginning. And we're saying, hey, as an organization, right, as a, as a mission-sending force, we're sending our people and our funds to these places that are saying, hey, you can knock on 4,000, 10,000 homes before someone can tell you that they're a follower of Jesus Christ. That's where we're sending our people. Wow, that's great. And uh, that, I think, gives all of us a, a picture of really the distinctive work that the Christian Missionary Alliance is doing. Not that other organizations and people aren't, aren't doing good work, they're, not on, they're on mission, but this is a unique work. It's a unique work both in terms of uh, people and in terms of investment. And so uh, when you partner together with the Christian Missionary Alliance, and specifically in the area of missions, and that's something uh, I want to bring home here at Long Hill Chapel. You know, we are a blessed church. Uh, we see God at work. We see the church growing. It, it's, it's really a good time to be the church here. Uh, and we have been given tremendous resources. And, and sometimes I think it's easy for us to, to look at all the things we don't have or the things we wish we had more of or were different. That is always the case. Uh, but we're a blessed church here. Uh, one of the things we have here at Long Hill Chapel is when you give to Long Hill Chapel, and thank you for doing that, uh, we have our general fund, and that basically supports the operations of what we do here at Long Hill Chapel in New Jersey. But we also have our missions fund, which is the direct conduit uh, to everything else we've talked about, the Great Commission, uh, all of the Alliance efforts, uh, our, some of our partnerships. Uh, and when you give to that, and you have the ability to do that. If you go online, you can designate uh, to the missions fund. Yes, we need to keep the lights on and the doors open, uh, but this is a critically important work. And all that money goes back out the door to missions. And it's our hope to continue to increasingly do that, to do that more and more, to be more efficient 
and more effective, but also not to just give, but to partner in the ways uh, that, that Omar has shared with us. And so we have a great opportunity in front of us. We have a role to play, and it's a tremendous role. It's literally what God is going to use to multiply by the power of his spirit uh, to get the gospel to the very ends of the earth. Amen, amen. Can I pray for you all? Yeah. Um, would you pray for us, but also how can we be praying for you as you continue in this role with a very a substantial amount of responsibility and incredible title? Yeah, yeah, super long title. Um, I, I would say, you know, one of the ways uh, folks can be praying is just this dream, right? Like 100 new international workers. I mean, that's a God-sized dream, right? In our, in our, in our uh, district, we have 41 IWs currently. A number of them actually will be going... Uh, uh, are close to retirement or are actually on their retirement tour. So that our numbers are actually going to dip a little bit, but we're also starting to send people. We're starting to see that. So it, it really is going to be a, a move of the Holy Spirit to be able to, to see that hundred, like not just kind of tapped on the shoulder and noticed, but like also funded and sent and knowing exactly where we want to send these folks. So you know, you can be praying for that. It is a big job. We do have a big district. Our district is growing. It's 135 churches, I believe, yeah. now. And we want to see, I want to say, at least another 90 churches planted in our district in the next seven to 10 years. So our district is getting bigger, which is exciting. But that just, it means, obviously, there's a lot, a lot that comes with that, a lot of responsibility. So, yeah. you know, definitely keep, be praying for that. So I would appreciate that. Well, we will be praying for you and for your family, but also for the work that you lead and for, for God's spirit just to really inhabit that. Because as Thank you're you. talking, I, I just, man, one of you who's listening or watching could be one of those hundred international workers. We could be the church that sends one of those international workers. And I, I think, you know, God may be speaking to some of us directly, but to us as a church and to how we can be involved in this together. So, yeah, I would love for you to pray for us and uh, then we'll be on our way. And thanks again so much for being with us today, Omar. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me. It's an awesome joy, but uh, let me pray for you guys. All right. Father, thank you. Thank you for this day that you've given to us to come and to worship. Uh, Lord, more than just an interview about missions, uh, God, our, heart, our hope is that we've been able to share, reflect some of your heartbeat, Lord, for uh, Long Hill and also for the world, God, around, the world around Long Hill and also the world as we know it globally. Um, Pastor Michael is right. Lord, you are calling Long Hill to a tremendous uh, task. Uh, you are inviting them into a tremendous partnership with the God of the universe. And so you have specific uh, dreams and hopes, Lord, for this church. And God, I bless this church with your Holy Spirit to accomplish and fulfill, God, all that is on your heart. Lord, we do this for that picture that we find in Revelation 7, 9, where every tribe, tongue, nation, and people will be worshiping the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And so, Lord, I bless whoever's listening, whoever's been watching and, and has been uh, stirred in some capacity Lord, I pray that they would say yes in this moment. Jesus, you have my yes. God, my yes to go, my yes to give, my yes to serve, my yes to be a, a supporting agent in seeing this happen. God, whatever the yes is, Lord, would you empower them, Lord, to not say, just say yes, God, but to walk in step with your spirit in this partnership. Be with Pastor Michael. Be with the team, the staff here, the leadership team, the missions team here, God, as they grow as they dream, 
as they dream your dreams, God, would you empower them with your Holy Spirit, Lord, to again accomplish beyond what they could hope for, dream, or imagine. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.